0: No more clickbait, no more sound bites, and no more videos that are over before you blink. No more being told to click this or to share that because some people think you can't think. Choose a new way of doing things. Choose real people. Choose real stories. Choose The Real Talks Podcast. Eamon McGee was part of a renowned Donegal defence that brought the Sam Maguire Trophy home to the hills of Donegal for the first time in 20 years. However, while the team was being transformed on the field, Eamon too was also overseeing vital changes in his personal life. During this week's podcast, he talks about difficult spells as he had to learn to deal with anxiety, panic attacks and a relationship with alcohol that resulted in him needing help and support. Having hung up his boots last year, the Gwador man is extremely proud of his career with Donegal, and while there may be some regrets, there's no doubt that he is now better equipped to live and maintain a balanced lifestyle as he makes that transition into retirement from inter-county football. I straight up want to thank Eamon for his incredible honesty in relation to his own journey, and for believing in the importance of helping others by sharing valuable life lessons. This podcast is brought to you thanks to the support of Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, who for over 20 years have been successfully selling, renting, and managing property in the Greater Dublin area. Be sure to check out their website at kbd.ie. That's kbd.ie. My name is Alan O'Mara, and you are listening to Episode 6 of the Real Talks Podcast.
1: Well, Eamon McGee is named now at centre half forward uh, for
0: Martin McElhinney. Well, he's not going to play there. We yes. know that he's the sort of man that if you were involved in a bit of a row outside the chipper on a Saturday <laughs> night, you could oh. you wouldn't mind him and Neil
1: being around because Joe I think and I because he doesn't get involved in things. Well, like no, that. I don't he, know. He, he's a man for the big day and a man for the big game. Hmm. And I think that Donegal, having the McGees in their defensive setup, are a much better team. <laughs>
0: 찐이 Well, listen, Eamon, just first of all, want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. I think you've been listening to a few over the last couple of weeks and we've had a, been really fortunate to have a great variety of characters, great individuals, different counties, different levels. Um, and there was there was two big reasons why your name came to mind and why I really wanted to get you onto the podcast. And one was actually to get a good, solid defender in the mix there. A lot of them have been the, the boys won't mind me admitting. as yeah, it's the, almost the forwards. The, the flashy forwards. Spotless. But um, I suppose the other one, just been recently retired and just emerging sort of out of the intercounty scene because I think a lot of the, the lads over the previous couple of weeks have all touched upon trying to find balance and different mm. things when you're in it and I think I'll just start off the first question with how has life been
1: since you stepped outside of that bubble and, and, how, and how are you now? Ah, life's, life's good now like at the at the time um, when, I, when I retired you know I probably didn't really know the massive decision that I, that I'd made, like, and it wasn't until you know it was about two months, maybe three months afterwards, that you know, I, I went through a bad, like, a downer or whatever, whatever you want to call it, you know, through a bad kind. Of, I was in bad form, and uh, you know, I struggled with that. You know, her her whole identity, you know, as a as a Gaelic footballer and as an athlete, and I and I was stepping away from that, so I definitely struggled with it, and. um but I think that happens to everybody. It's it's how like some people have the tools to deal with better than others, and um, you know I'm in a far better spot in the spot now in a spot now. Sorry, and um, you know just to sum it up. I struggled, but I'm in a good spot now.
0: I th- I don't think you'll be alone in that club at all. And even I speak to lads, even if they're in their mid twenties and they're taking a break for year, they w- they would struggle with with, with similar things. Um, is, is is part of that? I'm just wondering, is that because you leave a very structured, um, probably a structured environment is easy, easiest way to describe it, and then you step out a little bit into the unknown, um, and there's a lot more decisions to make and freedom. Is that that can be, I suppose, a good thing and a bad thing? What do you th- would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a there's a part of that. All right, you know when you're, I think it's a well known kind of phrase when you're part of the bubble. Mm. And you don't see anything outside that bubble, or you're oblivious to it. And uh, when you suddenly step outside of it, and you know small things where you're going to the gym and you're paying for your gym membership, you're uh, I think for the first time in fifteen years where I had to pay for a pair of shorts. Small, that's the only tiny things. Yeah. But then you're going your free evenings. You're not getting up in the getting up in the morning for gym. Your your diet, you can eat as much chocolate as you want. You're not feeling shit after you eat a bar of chocolate and thinking geez, I must you know kind of work harder now to to work that off or whatever and the whole life is impacted and then when you walk away and you're you're away from that all that and it's it's like a teenager when he suddenly finds himself in college and there's just massive freedom and he doesn't know what to do mm-hmm. that and sometimes he can go he can struggle for a period of time and uh, I think that's what a lot of people do when they do retire um, that they find this you know they're outside the bubble and sometimes they struggle and sometimes they don't
0: yeah because I think with both most people listening will relate to it as well is that like within any team environment you get very, lads are wired very differently and, and you know some are even under, in, in a, under a management team some will be very self-driven and accountable to themselves and hold their own I know from one from my experiences I always like when I come to gym and diet and stuff even so I'm on a break at the minute and I know within a couple of weeks my diet goes down my gym sessions the number of gym sessions go down because I'm not being held accountable to someone else um and was 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 chartering that and sort of you know the only person you're ultimately accountable now is yourself is does that bring like
1: is it difficult or does bring complications or ah yeah it definitely does you know um because I would never I always needed that someone to give me the extra wee push Mm. I would have struggled with gym and diet and, you know, that extra percentage where all the top players, you know, comes naturally, like Michael Murphy or Carol Lacey or Neil McGee, it comes naturally to them. It wouldn't have come naturally to me, you know, to really come outside the comfort zone. And, um, you know, now that there's nobody pushing me and there's no, like, obviously there's a bit with the club, but it's not as intense an atmosphere or, or, you know, the, the end goal might not be as, as serious or whatever way you want to put it and so there's a more responsibility on, on me as myself and I I do I do struggle a wee bit with it because and, and that's fine too. Like I was playing I was talking about it earlier on. I was playing you know soccer at a junior level the down it the over there and, you know, I'm a terrible soccer player and some young fella shouting shouted on from the from the sideline and says Oh, I mean, you're shit now. You're too old. You're shit. What do you and, say back to that? And I, I was thinking that ah, cheeky wee booger. Like, oh, yeah. But then I thought that that's okay. Like mm. I'm I'm old. I'm getting old. He's right. I'm, I'm getting old, and I'm getting I'm shit at soccer. But that's okay. Like you have to accept that this is a this is another stage of it. And like we'd all love to be Peter Pan. And being part of that high pressure environment was I loved every second of it, and I loved every uh, you know anytime we, we got together as a panel i just love that mm. environment but there's stuff now i'm starting to see you know as i come out of it and there's stuff that i see like i can go for like a bite any anytime i want it's an evening time i can read far more i love reading and you know i'm finding i'm not wrecked tired after a day's training a day's work and you know there's stuff now there's doors open and i can see oh jesus is part of it so it's just another step and i'm you know, I'm starting to see that there's it's not the end of the world to be a retired only golf footballer.
0: You mentioned even something as simple as either having the time or even the energy to sit down and read. Yeah. Um I, I presume you've consciously had to to navigate the void that's left there. And if it's if it's your weekly schedule or your lifestyle, have you had to try and place things in there? Like I know you mentioned soccer there as well, but it, I mean, have you been actively looking to go? I need to try different things here, and I need to I need to flex not my wings for the a bit. First
1: two two months, you know, okay. And, uh, you know at the end of it I, I was a nightmare to live with and probably like from a young early stage of my career i would i would have struggled in terms of the the mental health side of it mm-hmm. and you know i would have made a lot of wrong decisions and i thought i'd come through that you know but i could see old behaviors coming back you know and i had to I had to go back to the tools that i that i'd acquired during that time and try and try and work my way out of it but you know, for, the, for about two months, like, I'd done nothing. I didn't fill the void. No, I've already filled it with old habits, mm. bad habits. And, um you know, I probably reverted back to the... Not completely, but there's parts of me, old behaviours creeping up, like. And, uh, you know, just... Joanne just had to pull me up and say, listen, you get back and do something in the gym, or, you, you know, you get back and do what got you in a good form in the first place. Mm-hmm. And... uh you know, Trying to be more proactive with that time yeah, that you yeah, have. Yeah. you you have to try and, you know, fill that gap or fill that void. And, you know, me being me, I didn't listen to her at the start. And, you know, I knew it all as a lot of people seem to point out that I do think I know it all. And obviously, like, the, the form got bad and uh, I had to try and, you know, take in a more balanced lifestyle mm-hmm. here and, you know, get back to using them tools that I'd acquired
0: Okay, so yeah, it, you're you're a little bit further down the line, I think now, and you're, you're mm. you've sort of you've navigated to an extent that 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 tricky spell that that would have came. And as I said, I I think I said it already, but I think a lot of people will go through that at different different depths or different levels. Um, the stage you're at now, are 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 you, are you at a stage now where you're comfortable looking back on playing with Donegal and 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 the spell that you had as a player there?
1: Ah yeah, I'm I'm comfortable. My decision has taken me a while now. I'm comfortable with the decision I made, and when I look back, you, um, obviously there'll be regrets. I don't fully buy into this. You know, go through life without any regrets. This is how you deal with them regrets, whether they keep you up at night, and in this last, in this last while, like the my career with Donegal, I do have regrets, but they're not going to keep me up at night. I'll be able to put my mm. head down the pillow sleep, and I'll say, yeah, I gave it all. I gave it a blast. And uh, the times I didn't, that was just part of it too. That, you know, it was all part of the learning curve. And uh, there's not a lot I can do about it now. That I regret that I didn't buy into the whole you know, pre-Jim McGuinness era. We mm-hmm. didn't know how to, but Jim showed, showed us the way. Okay. And I regret that there was a few years there that, you know, we squandered a lot of talent and a lot of you know, the gifts we we had and um but like I'll still sleep at night. Hmm. I'll still uh look back in my Donegal career with fondness and with pride too and some some of the best times in my life. And uh you know, it's just part of it. Like we have regrets but it's it's how it's how we deal with them
0: Yeah, I would you see sort of a if it not just your own sort of career, but in and around the, the time spell and you've touched upon it there. Before Jim and after Jim, do you see a bit of a split in, in how you went about it and how you focused on it?
1: Oh, massive, massive split. Yeah, um, you know how we looked at ourselves as you J know, players, or mm-hmm. how we conducted ourselves as J players, both on and off the field, was uh, it was just night and day. You know, um, people talked about why did you not do it before, like, but we we didn't know any other way. This mm-hmm. was this was passed on to us. This is the way. The, is, like the culture? The culture, yeah. that's what the culture was. And, um, you know, when Jim McGuinness came in, initially, you know, you're there, he's on about one null Ireland and you're there. I, I've heard all this before. Mm. I've heard of three different managers and, you know, people have talked about one null Ireland. So I was very, very sceptical of him. And, you know, me and Jim didn't. He dropped me from the panel mm-hmm. for the first few months because... Uh, from my initial meeting with him I says geez I'm away for a few pints here and he got word of it and he says I don't need this this is it this is the old Donegal this is not the Donegal that I want to be part of so he dropped me and thankfully he asked me back now but uh, from the Donegal team that I pre-gym to the Donegal team that I ended up with they're two totally different animals Um, it's just it's hard to explain until you experience it now, but it's just it's basically night and day. It's just polar opposites of each other. Now. yeah, because I was like, I was I was reading up on yourself last
0: night and was doing my digging around online and just just to remind myself of sort of your career as well. And obviously, because in, in my mind as as a young player, I came through probably start playing. with was involved with the senior panel in two thousand eleven, and sort of from that moment, from that year on, I would have just seen you as this Mister Dependable, real. Real rock at the back of a Donegal defence that really became became famous in the game. Yeah. But I think I don't, I don't think I don't think you mind me saying this, but I don't think I had that. That was my perception of you. Yeah. But would it be fair to say that you weren't always Mister Dependable
1: before that yourself? Oh, jeez! I don't think you needed a sports <laughs> uh, degree or a sports psychology degree as Jim had to know that day. And because um, I think you. So you make your debut in two thousand four. Is that right? Yeah, two thousand four. Yeah. Joined the squad two thousand three. And uh, first against the Antrim in two thousand and four, mm. right? And I I wouldn't have made my debut like I was in at a young enough age, and I was a good player. Like there mm. was never any doubt about that. And I got three or four chances with different managers, and I wouldn't have been asked back if I was a shit player. Yeah. Right? And so I, I knew that I had a had ability and I had potential. And I, I think I don't want to sound vain or you know cockier, but like. I had the potential to actually be at a level of, you know, Michael Murphy or Carol Lacey or Neil McGee, mm-hmm. but because, you know, I messed about them first few years, I was, I've never able to got to that level. And, you know, there's a probably a tier above that. And I don't want to sound cocky when yeah, I say yeah. that, but that's just how I see it. People might well, makes perfect sense. Dis- disagree with you um, or disagree with me. But, uh, and that's just part of it too. Like, I'm not going to lie away. As I I'm not going to lie awake night thinking about that there, and uh but no, there was definitely a stage through the the noddies that I was renowned more as a partier mm. and uh than a footballer and you know maybe throwing two or three in game, good games a year. the rest of them were just average enough and that was uh, that was part of my journey though where like that sort of if it was the mess or
0: the the instance of this indiscipline or whatever it was, where does that? come out of it because like as, as a young yeah. man are you struggling with the commitment that's required are you um, just sort of what's going on in your mind at that point um, when you look back now with a little bit of perspective and just you can answer or not if you don't want no, to but no, I'm just no, interested I think i
1: would be, be fairly open enough like that I, I think it was apparent like you didn't as I said you didn't need to be a genius to know that I would have struggled off the field and up, as a result of that I was struggling on the field too they mm-hmm. like. And uh, for me, it was just culture at the time, you know, the lads all enjoyed their paints and, you know, what didn't take th- take things too seriously. So it suited me, but none of the lads, like, suffered from anxiety t- attacks or right. panic attacks or, you know, they didn't develop a dangerous relationship with alcohol mm-hmm. out, out of that there. And that, that was par- part of what, what happened with me and... Um, all them lads grew out of that. Sure. I never grew out of that mm-hmm. phase then. And uh that's where I was at, you know. It was a social scene and it was a big enough social scene, it was a big part of it. And unfortunately it just I had other things going on in the background too, and you had that in and it was it was just a bad combination. It wasn't conducive, is that the word? <laughs> to uh an elite elite lately okay.
0: You know, it's an interesting it's an interesting one, and I certainly we would have, when I spoke with Kevin McManaman on the first episode, he would have talked about a particular performance anxiety. Um, you know, I myself have had my own experiences if it's of depression or of of anxiety as well. Um, and it was, it's something actually I was weighing up quite recently in that, you know, football was often a great release from that, but it was also it also stirred it up at times as well. And, you know, for so in a person that's feeling anxious or going through a, a spell of anxiety. Some lads will will zone out and be able to zone out for an hour, but others will be driven the other way, and it magnifies it within. Um, and did you ever feel you're you're spending energy trying to hide that up and, and conceal that up? Was that a struggle?
1: It was a, it was a struggle. Surely you're sitting. For me, buses was a big one, and I'm uh, sitting on the bus and just mm. sweating, and you know, He's on the way to a game is it or a yeah. game or yeah. you know come on. On the way to college or something, okay. And you're you're trying to you don't want anybody else to know and you you're jittery and it was a wide struggle to to hide it and you know, I think I get a good enough job a hiding it yeah. and co- covering up to my credit because it it was bloody tight going, like it was you know, you're thinking you're gonna die or you're gonna have a heart mm. attack on a on a bus and it's it's tight stuff, like.
0: yeah to it just, again, it's just something that I've thought about, like when, because I, I, I've I had moments like that as well, you if you're on the, you say the buses there, I remember one going to one game and just getting this wave after wave of anxiety, yeah. I'm on the way to the game and am like, like a bit of a niggle in my groin, then I'm thinking like, like I can't play, I can't I can't, like, literally, I can't play, I can't do this, and then I'm just lucky, I remember one, on that day, like after 10 minutes it just relaxed and yeah. I went away, Um, but... Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a really interesting one, I think, because cause everyone out there would be, there'd be people in the stands shouting, he's not at it today, he's useless, he's this, he's that. And sometimes people just, just never stop to think, you know. Um, when I was looking at it, um, so Donegal, to, to bring it on up into 2010, um, Donegal have a low ebb of a championship. Um, there's two defeats, it's to Armand, the qualifiers, and to down in Ulster. Could be down yeah. or down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah and you're not involved at that stage are you?
1: No I, I you was, went I went to London and then you know you know the boys are on the phone this is our year, this mm-hmm. is our year, things are going well and like. So you're st- sorry, You're still in London in 2010? I'm in London 2010. Okay. I come back for the down game, I'm not fit enough. Right. Terrible shape you know. Okay. And uh, I think I came on in the Armagh game so I, I came back literally I was in London for the first half of 2010 mm-hmm. and came back about a few weeks before the the first round of the championship, Ulster championship, played a wee bit of game and, you know, our ma hammered us and phew, that was a, probably the lowest. This is where you're thinking, Donegal are never going to win anything. We're not going to win an Ulster championship, never mind an Ireland championship. And then you fast forward just two or three months later and Jim begins is sitting down and town. tell this is the four-year project, you call it, and we will, we will, it wasn't, we might, it was we are yeah. going to win the uh, All-Ireland Championship, or All-Ireland uh, final here. And, uh, you know, after two years, you had won it, so mm. it's, it's amazing. The, the vision he had and the drive he had, like, but when you first met him, and I'm talking about All-Irelands, uh, and that, the All-Ireland was, he knew it was going to happen. The problem was, was, like, how are we going to change this, I and mean? How are we going to change the old, I and. Mean? Mm-hmm. Into the aiming um, that I want part of the squad. And that was the gist of the conversation. I was saying, never mind that there. This, this is a one to one conversation this is you guys are having. Yeah. I, and I was saying, never mind that. Like, let's talk about how you're going to win All Ireland here. Mm-hmm. What's this grand plan? And this is what I wanted to talk about. But he kept on. Now, forget about that there. We want to get back to here. And I says, don't worry about me. I'll be all right. And, uh, you know, one hour later, I was in the pub telling this Jim McGuinness man, it's going to be one All Ireland. Yeah. It's like, crazy stuff. And, uh,
0: so safe to say you're not a believer at that stage.
1: No, I wasn't a believer. Yeah. And then it took me a few months. You know, I'd seen, I was living at home at the time. I seen Neil and I seen his good mates, Neil Geller and Christy Toy. Mm-hmm. And I seen, there was just something about, them. they weren't talking, they weren't telling me anything. Neil McGee was coming home and he was just absolutely wrecked. Like I'd never okay. seen him so tired. And I could see that there was... Just a commitment there, and there was, yes. you know, you know yourself, you're part of something, of course. And I was getting a wee bit of that there from from the lads, and you're and you're seeing changes in their behaviours, and, yeah, yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And then you're you're thinking, geez, there's something going on here," and uh, you know, thankfully, Jim came back and he asked me, and he says, "Listen, do you want to be part of it?" Mm. And he says, "Oh, we need assurances here," and you know, we sat down. He he came down. He met me in my sitting room, and uh, we sat down, and he was there. Like we need assurances, and. We put stuff in place that, you know, will helped me, mm. and it did help me in the long term. Like that was the start of my kind of. Sorry, it wasn't the start of it now, but it was the it was the main turning, turning the road for sure, me. You know, to a, get to a get big into jump it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I touched on other stuff before throughout okay. the, throughout the early noughties. You know, to try and like because I was in such a bad form, I knew it wasn't normal. So. Mm-hmm of touching stuff and maybe spend a week or two at it and do this and obviously the I never put in the hard work because that's what I wanted. I wanted to just get normal mm-hmm. like everybody else but not put in the hard work and that's just not the way life works. Unfortunately you don't there's no magic cure. Like maybe they will find something that'll mm-hmm. just make you feel right then, you know, that was uh Jim McGinnis meeting me in the sitting room was part of the the start of the journey, sir. Yeah, because
0: I, th- I think you mentioned that those previous attempts or previous efforts, of if it's getting help in whatever way, shape or form that was. And obviously I can I can certainly relate to a lot of what you're saying mm-hmm. there. Um, and one of the things that always comes to my mind, and I would say this quite regularly if I'm in school, is that when someone's not feeling well or feeling down through any, through any, whatever, whatever it is, be it anxiety, be it depression, um, or whatever whatever it is, is that when a person feels like that, like the only thing they want is not to feel that way. So even when yeah. you go and try something you're like, well, I did that once and I still feel the same. Or and even I remember when I went to counselling, and it was times I felt worse afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, What's this all about? But for Jim to sit you down and look at you in the eye at, at that stage, um, and this is obviously you've had that chat and he and he comes back to it and has the conversation. And actually I, I read his book a couple of years ago when it came out. Mm. Um and I, I had I was I was flicking through it again last night and it was just there was one line that I really loved. Um Around yourself, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it out here and just right. give it, give you a blast. It's a little look, bit but, a good near now. Um, no, because I think you've touched upon, and I mean, you've been really honest about certain struggles beforehand, and yeah. trying to make that transition. And like I was scribbling on, and you, you referenced it already that you, be, you actually became the, the metaphor in Jim's mind at the beginning of old versus new. Yeah. Um. But he says, um, he says when you ring him and say it won't happen again, he says to you. It won't happen again because it's over. I told you in the house I couldn't be this, in this position. But jumping on to that conversation in May, and you obviously go back in and I presume you've got the bit between your teeth at this stage, um, yeah, taking yeah. a step back in. Um, and the stories are around from the fitness work that would have been done, the hard work, so you're catching up on that front as well. Struggle Would that be to, put it, to put it kindly?
1: We and Paddy McBurdy ended, uh, we end, uh, ended up on the squad around, I think it was May or April time, I don't know what time it was, but I remember for the first two weeks and I was thinking, holy Jesus, like, this is crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to stick it. And, uh, but, you know, I kept the head down and I'd be very, very tran, as they call it up here, just stubborn. (laughs) I know I couldn't let them know that I was struggling as badly, like, but I just, I kept at it and...
0: Yeah, cause you, and you did keep at it and, and just, I'm going to just quote one or two because I come onto hmm. the line that I really like here but look Jim says that it was heavy heavy going when you came back but this is the bit I loved it says um, so at this stage you still see no minutes and he calls you down in the All-Ireland quarter final against Kildare and I'm quoting here and he says and he walks into a game of that magnitude and he is brilliant he is awesome on the front foot brave, confident dealing with high balls getting his hand in to break up ball cleaning his man out born for it a first team player ever since, and long through that period in his life. And this is the this is the line that I just re, I I just loved it was hmm. watching him become what we all knew him to be, manning up to face up to everything that was wrong in his life and to change it. Um, that's a really strong and powerful line. And as, as I read that out to you, what do you think, or what 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 was your mind
1: as as I as I go through that? Ah, uh, no, it was kind of se- sentimental, like because. I do owe him so much, you know, I have awful lot of, like, I credit with him so much, but not just for sport, from a sporting perspective, but I credit him for, you know, just getting, getting things in place and I met him up at his uh, book launch that, that night, you know, when we were chatting afterwards and he says, all I did was show you the door, like, and in fairness, that's what he did, I had to, I had to walk through the door and do, do whatever, like, but... You know, I would have been wandering about, probably struggled to play club football had I kept on going mm-hmm. the, the road I would have been, I would have been on like, and it, it was, it hasn't been easy. Like it wasn't the Jim McGuinness came in and it was magic. Yeah. That's what well, I was, going, I was just going to like, ask you on that. But. Yeah. Um, it was, it was an easy journey like, but it was, it was a worthwhile. I have a wee kid now um, Daisy's there and you know, probably. Daisy wouldn't have been there. Only four Jim had come into the sit-room and that's a powerful thing to say. Like, that's a massive thing to say. And uh, that's just the reality of it.
0: Yeah, because I think I mean, that is a hugely important point I think you've said is that it's not as if someone sits you down and says, listen, you're struggling here, are going to help you. And then gone, mm-hmm. everything's fixed. Um, it is a door and it is a path. And you're also, you're, you're, does, does, does your own personal journey in a way sort of, mirror Donegal jersey journey down over the following couple of years, do you start
1: emerging from from that spell a little bit? Ah yeah, I think that's been uh, bandied about before, you know, that Eamon was a kind of metaphor for from Donegal party boy mm. to, you know, a serious, serious outfit. And uh, I suppose it could, could have been said, you know, there was a lot of party boys in that in that setup, you know, there's a lot of boys enjoyed the enjoyed the good times. And they're all serious, really, really serious about the football now. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was just part of it. Like. Actually, so
0: going back to that, uh, so Jim calls you down in the Kildare game. Yeah. And, and you get, you get fired in in Crow Park. Um and you've obviously like, and I I've no doubt about it that you had to you slogged and you dogged for that for those two or three months before that after coming back in yeah um and I, I remember that game because I, I was actually working at I was in Kroger mm. at the time it was an absolute it was a belter like um, and then from that to go into the Dublin game which is for a whole different variety of reasons is a real monumental game and mm. in, in the whole in the whole evolution of Gaelic football really and even though you lose that game is has Jim's talk gone from being "look, we're going to do this" to now you're walk like after you get over the actual defeat, does the does the idea of winning All Ireland now seem a lot more real? I suppose that's the question that I'm asking.
1: Yeah, you're you're thinking you're in a All Ireland semi final and you're thinking right we're competing we're up against Dublin here we uh, we competed you know we know we've worked to do doing the offensive side of things we mm-hmm. know we can uh, loads improving that's year one but there's also this idea the human side of you thinking. Have we blown our chance now? Mm. Have we thought, you know, are we one of them teams that have one good year and it's gone? Like and they're then we doubts at you and you know, Jim got us back fairly early, he got us in the gym program. And the quickly dispel once you get part of the setup again and he's talking to you, he's making you believe again. And you know yourself once you're putting in the hard work. Like, I'll say that if if I'm ever coaching or training a group like the training ground is where you do it, like, there was no, like, yeah, you know yourself, you're part of a club and you've been part of an uh, a county setup too, that you ever hear these crisis meetings, mm-hmm. like the crisis meetings in our club would have happened on a weekly basis, <laughs> but nobody realised that, you know, we couldn't put the ball over the bar from 13 yards, but like, we're going to have a meeting about it, uh, why do we not do it out in the field? Or we're unfit, so let's have a meeting about it, why do we not do it out in the field? Sure. And, that's that's the way it was with Donegal. I was Mark and Murphy. I was Mark McFadden. I was Mark and Paddy McBrerdy. And if I'm doing well i them like sure, what, what do I have to be afraid of? Like there's no, there's not many players in the in the country that I have to be afraid of. And sometimes I did like I was going well in 2013, flying and training like you know, and Kieran Hughes roasted me in the Ulster final. Mm. Like so them days happen. You accept, I have to accept that, but. You know, you're giving yourself your best chance, your best, uh, putting your best foot forward. If you're consistently doing and training every night, you know, you keep on pushing and pushing and pushing, then more often than not, you're you're going to have a good game, Nick. And it gives you a bit of belief too, you know, people say, some people have prayers. Some people have, you know, some different method of having that backup. For me, it was training hard and during the week. And I knew that if I trained hard, I wasn't nervous about a game. The only time I was nervous is if I wasn't really training hard. Mm. And then I was like, geez, I haven't trained too hard. I don't know. Will I be able to get to this ball? But if I trained hard and done it on the training ground, then I was never nervous.
0: Yeah, the training, the training angle and aspect is, is a really interesting one because like, okay, look, I've absolutely no doubt that Jim was an incredible manager, had Mm. a really strong vision, came in to sell that. Uh, even on the one to one basis, you've given the story of how you sat down and had that conversation. So really powerful man management. But I think, I mean, amongst all that, sometimes people forget about the graft and the grind and the hard work that has to be done. And they let that get lost in the romanticism of yeah, it all. Yeah, of yeah. The cultural um, manager. Yeah. I think, and I, cause yeah. I think, and you know, and you know, well just as well as anyone, cause what I'm fine with the podcast is a lot of other inter players are listening to it as well and there'll be loads of people loads of people sitting around thinking well, like, oh well Dublin and Kerry's here or Mayo's up there like how do we get that and how do we fix that or how do we close the gap and everyone's sitting around thinking we just need a manager or we need to get this yeah, different, yeah, this different yeah, manager yeah. In or that one um, yeah I'm just I'm just I'll just ask you to elaborate a little bit on obviously like, the, the good manager needs to be in place to facilitate a yeah. lot of this
1: but you think the grind is, is the most important thing that comes behind it I think that's massive and, you know, it annoys me now so much when I see teams, you know, giving out about Dublin financially. Like, mm-hmm. when you're talking about, nobody's talking about Dean Rock hitting the freeze. Dean Rock's a completely different player than he was four or five years ago. The hard graph he's put in, you know, nobody's talking about the, the condition the dubs are in and the the graph they have to put in. And obviously Jim Gavin has to f- facilitate this, but 80% possibly... Eighty-five percent of what Dublin do is the hard graft. You know, there's a financial side that there obviously that gives them another few percentage like. But teams giving out about you know we have a few Leinster teams giving out. We can't compete with that Mm on a financial level. Or you know, look at the resources Dublin have. Like there's nothing to stop them lads going out and you know blasting out a good training session, getting into the gym, kicking balls and and all this like and. People, people forget that and people talk about systems and, oh, we need a system, we need a system. Like, what you need to do is work hard, progress yourself and then at the end of that there talk about systems or else, you know, we can marry the, marry the two of them and, uh, you know, work hard while progressing with the system. But there's no team in the country, no team in the world gets anywhere without the, without the hard work and, you know. <sighs> it and and annoy really really annoys mm. me when i when I hear this talk about uh you know, oh, we can't compete with that there we can't uh we need a manager and all this like and you know get out and do it and get out and train to the level of Dublin or train uh get out and train to the level of Mayo or train that mm. and then you know if that doesn't work, then yeah ha- have a moan then and say, right, what are we doing wrong here what can we uh, what can we improve about but a lot of people are moaning. They're going out and messing about during the week, you know, training fifty, sixty percent and expecting that to beat Dublin or beat the top teams in the in the country, you know. And you look at you know, there's a few county boards that have to take a look at themselves too in terms of how they apply themselves. You know, people are talking about spreading the wealth around or, you know, why should Dublin because they've got the house in order and because they've got um they're doing things right, why should they have to share with some other county board who can't, who can't organise a piss-up in a brewery, like, and that's, there's so much needs to be done right in the J. Like, obviously, I love the J and it's a great thing, like, but there's so much needs improvement on, like, and uh, I think that, you know, this, this morning and all, I went away in a rant there, Yeah, right. (laughs) No, because it's really good, and you've
0: mentioned, sort of, what frustrates you, and I have one of the things that frustrates me and I'll put it to you is that so yous come along and Jim has obviously designed this system to suit your personnel mm. to suit your to suit what you have and, and, and really build on that but the thing that annoys me is then once someone does something like that everyone tries to copy it like um, yeah. instead of saying or looking at the personnel going like what have we got how do we make the most of it and think outside the box a little bit um, what was it like for yous then to go to so say you, you blitz teams you catch one surprise because you're playing the way you're playing but then when everyone sort of starts doing that. What was that like from a player's perspective? You're on the pitch. What's that feel like? Or do feel you think about it?
1: I probably didn't really, uh, you know, feature too much in my thoughts. Mm. But, you know, when you think back to it and you you possibly look at it during the weekend, you know, the certain team is going to set up the same way that we set up. And uh, you're just thinking, geez, this is the, this is the ultimate compliment. And, um, you know, th- this is another thing like that, there's people giving out about the state of the game. The state of the game, it, it was suffering. And it's, it's in a healthy, healthy spot. The game's games grand. But, you know, they had a few bad games because all these managers started coming out. Jim McGuinness had a vision and he sold that product and he had a way, seen the game. You know, if I'm going to coach a team, I can't copy Jim McGuinness' thing. I, I have to have my own vision, my own kind of coaching philosophy. It, originality in it. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And you know, was it one of those shades that says if, uh, if all the Ulster boys started Irish dancing, we'd be we'd be <laughs> Irish dancing like the Joe Kernan I think started this whole uh, for us and whatever Armad did, we copied them yeah. and we were trying. What are Armad doing? What are Armad doing? Then there was Tyrone. What are Tyrone doing? And then you know there was no thing. Well, well, what's right for out, us. Let's go out. Let's That's look the, at our players and find there's out. There's been loads right of like the like the morning yeah.
0: training sessions, the training camp away. Yeah, um, what sort of like keepers coming up to take frees like just because Stephen Clarkson's class that it doesn't mean you have to bring your keeper up. You yeah, might, yeah, might be yeah, a fifty yeah. percent shooter or whatever. Um, but yeah, like that's that's sort of that's my mini rant in one way, shape,
1: form. Donohue Dun- the long ball, <laughs> Donahue, like <yeah>. he, he'd <laughs> done that because it suited Donaghy Yeah, but then all of a sudden you have every club team in the country had a big man <laughs> on the edge of the square. You can't catch it. You <laughs> can't catch it. He can't move. And you know, the, as he says, it was there was no originality in it at all. Like this. Oh, Would that work for Kerry? She sure, we'll throw him in now. Yeah.
0: Just as I move on, because I'm, I'm going to leave the football strand of the conversation behind yeah. in a second. But when the decision came to retire, one of the things, like, I laughed at and I just want to ask you about it, is uh, the way you chose to release it in terms of a, a, a Lord of the Rings statement. Yeah. <laughs> what was going on in your head as you said, where did
1: that come from? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, you know, as I said, Earlier, I would have been Love Books like, yeah. And Lord of the Rings is up there One of my favourite books And Lord of the Rings is so big That you need to read it a few times I've read it a few times myself Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah And what That passage there stuck out to me There was just something about it There was There was meaning in it There was meaning in it yeah. And it had always resonated with me And uh, You know The initial plan was to go out after the game, you know, as I, I says me and Colin McFadden I chatted about this and this says, you know, this is the last year and whenever we do lose or whenever we do go out or whatever happens, then I'm just going out to the reporters and saying, right, that's me, bye, I'm retired. When I camped it, I didn't have the balls to do it, like, <laughs> and I was thinking, jeez, I'm, I'm not going to go out and just say that's me retired, so I jumped on the bus. Okay. So I was just lying in bed the following day and I said, listen, I need to get this out of the way and done and dusted.
0: And uh, Just for peace of mind and, yeah, to, and, and that, to start that's processing me, it.
1: That's the decision This decision was made and, uh, you know, just to take action on it. And, you know, just this bit here, this passage resonated with me and uh, I enjoyed it. It was just a, was a bit of crack to, you know, <laughs> I think that we take ourselves too seriously, you know, these big... Uh, retirement statements and uh, thank everybody from my under 10 coach right up mm-hmm. to my, you know, my girlfriend, my partner or whatever and there was a bit of crack in it too and it was, uh, I thought it suited, uh, suited our the, suited uh, the you've retirement too. Yeah,
0: you've, you've mentioned it twice now in terms of uh, love of reading and, and different things. Um, What would be on your, what would be on your reading hit list? What would be your, what, what, what would be your go-to? Uh, at the minute,
1: it's kind of bizarre enough, reading uh, my bookcase is just, Kind of all over the place. Uh, at the minute I'm reading Stephen King Um, on writing. It's a kind of part biography, autobiography and part uh, tips on how to write. And I have no intention okay. intention of how to start writing or anything like that there. It's just that I love Stephen King. And then there's a another book then on quantum physics. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian Cox is one of, I have a few books on quantum physics and I cannot get the head around it at all, like, so this is the last throw of the day yeah, for go at it. F- physics. And if this doesn't work, it's just they're not going to understand it and that's it. Now.
0: You know, I love it because I I, I I think I've brought this up before, but I was a kid, I was a mad reader as well. Like I went mad at Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, all yeah. that stuff. And I, I actually, for some reason, when I start playing football or start getting sort of successful football, I, I sort of buried that side to me. Um, mm. I just saw. So I just, thought, I just throw it in there. So if anyone's ever listened to this, then those reading, keep reading. <laughs> like,
1: ah, oh, definitely. But, hey, you know, re- reading's massive. Hey, that, uh, you know, y- you create wee worlds when you're mm-hmm. reading. You know, your version of how you see Harry Potter or Hogwarts yeah. is far different from my Hogwarts, obviously, the similarities now, but you know, how we see it, and I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that, you're building entire worlds in, in your own mind, and you know, so something. Stephen King was touched on in his in his book, you know that, uh, you know. J.K. Rowling's talking to us. She's not using her lips or anything. She's talking to us It's telep- telep- mm. telepathy, and she's going to talk to some kid in a hundred years, and he's going to have a vision of Hogwarts. We'll have similarities, but it's it's different, you know. If that yeah. makes any sense, yeah, yeah. you know, I think there's some quite powerful about that. And- Completely.
0: The um, but I was doing my um as I, I was going through sort of different online articles and books and Twitter feeds and stuff last last night and over the last few days to get ready for today I came across a really interesting I think it was a march that you were involved in um, earlier this year mm. um, and I just picked out the uh, I, I picked it out because it was it, was, it interests me for a couple of different reasons um, I suppose a march on that believes that we as a society would benefit from science critical thinking and evidence based approach to policy making and it was the critical thinking was the bit that jumped out to me. Um, I think in a world where there's so much information, there's a severe lack of it. Yeah. Um, and just in your own words, you might explain what what critical thinking is to you or how you view that or what the importance of it is.
1: Just on that, you know, a good example I'd use for that situation would be the the fake news on Facebook, right? So I read a uh, Facebook have taken uh, slack for it or sorry, taking a bit of stick for it. And uh, when I read an article on Facebook, you know, there's people that immediately assuming that's fact. And I could say, Eamon Mcgee is, you know, caught. The same restaurant as Rosanna Davidson mm-hmm. or some model, or what, whatever they out there. Oh, that's that's true because it's on it's on the internet, and um, you know. For me personally, I, I would say just there's no need for Facebook to start removing these fake news things. They should be on the onus should be on the individual to go and, you know, right, that's an article there or that's a, there's information, I need to go and check this. I need to go and confirm it and, you know, check other sources and you know, to get into that to that mindset because there's too much of just I read something sky news or I watch something sky news or I read something in the paper, immediately assume that it'd be true. And, you know, you have to become, for us to become a better society, yeah. I believe anyway, you know, there should be a bit more investigation, a bit more, as I say, critical thinking. And, uh, you know, that, that's that's the way we improve and that's the way, you know, there's so much doubt over climate change. When, like, for me, and if I was to talk to scientists, you know, about climate change, It's the same thing as saying, oh, I believe the earth is flat, but people out there are given a platform to talk and say, oh, climate change isn't real, or global warming isn't real and it's not human, it's not caused by humans. And, uh, you know, stuff like that there gives that fuel, it adds it to the fire and gives it a platform. And I think that if we were to promote something, if we were to change something in our schools, you know. Should be far more that you know critical thinking and evidence based stuff, and it's just far better for for I believe anyway. You might and other people might not uh, think that's that's to be the case, but I think as a society we're we're better off going in that direction mm. rather than the this the atmosphere and now and the climate around now.
0: Yeah, it's something. It's something that I brought up for I suppose one of the reasons was like I mentioned before we started that I'd be qualified as a journalist and. Like critical thinking has almost evaporated from that space. So, and like the classic example is one news organization puts up a story and it's automatically on another five within within 20 minutes. Yeah. So they've just gone, okay, they've done it and presume that it's true, that, you know, that it is what it is. And they just take it. And then because they take it, someone else takes it and then they take it on. And then everyone's looking at this and just goes, oh, that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I just find that. Like particularly like the, the it's it's one of the few industries that's meant to critically think and and observe and, and and monitor and like that's a very frustrating thing to me and I was going to sort of tie that in with yourself obviously you've moved on to doing column work with the star that's right isn't it yeah yeah star um, yeah yeah and just how have you how have you found that transition or that sort of or, and doing or, or or doing that role
1: really um you know it's it's different you know I I enjoy chatting about football you know there's 20, 30 different columnists out there all chatting about some. so obviously I have to give my own uh, We, you know, side to it mm. and different, try to be different. Do you uh, like that, like, opportunity or responsibility to be I, able to do I, it? I do, I, I, I enjoy it, you know, like, there was, I think there's one or two columns at the start where, you know, there was a bit of stick for stuff I did, like, and, you know, what? I'd, I'd want to say that true the the way it is with Donegal and, you know, there's been plenty of stories and I always try to throw in a wee story, you know, mm-hmm. because what I would read myself if I enjoyed, oh, geez, that happened in Kerry or that happened in Dublin. And I don't condone or condemn any of it. This, this stuff happened. Like, And I try, I try to give a good enough view that there was a lot of bad stuff happened to me too, like that the drinking wasn't all glamorous, you know, because there's a few people saying... Oh you're glamorizing drinking mm. with all these stories and all all this kind of crack and I definitely didn't try to to glamorize it this things just happened like I also tried to balance it out with by saying like I ended up in you know rehab and you know I struggled with my stuff off the off the field like and there was that side of it and I wasn't take i was kinda of taken aback by the bit of the bit of grief I got okay I that was, I, I wasn't kinda of prepared for it at all, and um you know, we all love to be universally loved. We all want a, people to think, oh, he's sound, he's a good guy. <laughs> and um, I had to kind of check myself and just go back to the football, like, mm. because when I was playing football, it didn't matter anybody from Cavan said about me or, you know, anybody from Armagh or anybody from Cork said about me, it didn't affect the group play. Mm. And that's the same way I have to take it with, like, I am going to say stuff from the column and I'll set people. The only people I have to worry about are friends, family, and if it affects them, then, you know, I'll have to think, right, there's something up here, take a look at it, but, you know, I just do it. I, yeah. I enjoy chatting football, I enjoy the column, and, you know, if it offends someone, then it's not my problem.
0: No, okay. I'd say it's because it's, like, it's really interesting, it's I brought up because one of the ones I noticed actually really was poor Carrington was doing some punditry work on golf and he's brilliant. Like he yeah, just cuts yeah. through all the noise and all that. There was, there was one clip he was talking about someone's swing and he was sort of analysing. He was like, yes, we're a nice player, but like it doesn't have the mental strength to win at an, Like I yeah, just yeah, boom, yeah. cut
1: through it. Like I love that um, too, Yeah, but, but like there's yeah. just
0: not, like there's just not enough of that in the world, I don't think. Um, and you touched, like if it's some of the society issues and actually one of the things I was going to ask you about was around sort of sort of relationship, I suppose, between we've touched on the critical thinking asp- aspect of it, but suppose the relationship may be between sports, politics and societal issues, be it whatever they may be. How do you feel about that mixture
1: and that relationship? Do you see one? Ah, uh, there is. Like I said, actually, I said it in a column a few weeks ago that whether we like it or not, like sport and politics are intertwined. And, you know, what what happens in today's society and in- inevitably, you know, ends up getting involved in sport and then politics and it's just it's just part of the process. Like there's there's so because uh they're so intertwined, it's just it's gonna happen. It's just how you accept accept it and how you you know you you deal with it that you know, there's people part of the school squad I was with Donegal and they were polar opposites in terms of ideologies and politics and all that. Like, But I, I would have got on with them. Yeah. I would have trusted them as friends. And you People know, are allowed to have different opinions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's what we need to learn from squads yeah. and we need to learn from uh, when we do, when we do, when this whole thing is mixing, if that, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, that, you know, people are allowed to have different opinions. People are allowed to be say something without the whole world just jumping down their nose and um it's it's again kind of awkward enough fun to explain yeah man, but it's 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 part of it like and it always will be part of it because like sport is so big and so important thing that it's just it's just gonna happen. Like.
0: Yeah and I think I suppose one of the other reasons, I think, is as, as sports people, we also have a voice that people are probably at times more willing to listen to. Mm. Um, because, come back to the, you are sort of respected, or if you are, liked or, or disliked for what you do on the field. But people will, regardless yeah. of, of the perception of, of playing, I think they will tend to, to hear it. Because um, I remember back 2015, you got involved with the, the yes side of yeah, on, yeah, on the referendum, yeah. didn't you? Because yeah. I remember seeing it because I, I did as well. Uh-huh. Um. I remember, someone asked me. Someone approached me and asked me would I do an article about. It? And I said, Yeah, of course I will. Um. Around on the vet, the vote yes side, and I think well, lots of lads were involved. Yours, yours, you, you were the only one I saw actually put out a thing saying like, Yeah, okay. Um, not that no one else did, but I remember seeing a written article about it. That's basically yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not saying other people didn't. Um, what? Just out of interest, what? Where did that come from? Or that inspiration? Do that or
1: inspiration might not be the right word, but the rationale. Um, I'll tell you, it was simple enough rationale. I would have known a fella from the school and hmm. uh, he was gay and he was part of whatever, I think it was, the, the Donegal branch. Okay. And uh, he just gave me a text and says, do you want to take part in the launch? Like, and uh, be honest with you, I was very, very ignorant like, to the whole, you know, I thought we'd move past that stage and move past, you know, judging people and their sexuality um, and then I did the launch and within a few days there was this big Ferrari. Yeah, you got slack for I yeah. I got away. I got away with everything. Yeah. And Rory Carroll <laughs> did a bit too and you never got anything. I was thinking, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was getting letters to the house saying that really? you're, you're going to hell. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. There's some letter, it was sort of a column of some priest. Who had died, and he had visited hell. Okay, and he says, "This is where you were going, and you are leading the people of Ireland to this place." And uh, you know, you are a good person, but pull back, and you know, okay, you can save yourself, and all, all this stuff. What's I was, going through your head when you get that? Like, I was laughing at about it, and it was kind of a, it was badge honor for all the lads. <laughs> look, at this, <laughs> look at this place. I've I've got hit mail, <laughs> and uh, you know there were there were stuff going on too that. I was called out on the on the pulpit in in McGee was this was a local mm. local mass and you know some of my I wouldn't be holy myself now but some of my friends and some of my neighbours are are very holy and you know they're sitting at the mass and they're thinking in has been called out here and it leaves them in a conflicted yeah. left them in a conflicted uh, situation like it was who do we back do we back the church here. Or do we back, you know, aiming over the road, and you know they're thinking, "Geez, we were conflicted here." And I don't think in no way because I I went for a yes vote and in, in the marriage referendum that should have happened. I thought it was ridiculously, but same time I put myself out there, you know, and you did the same yourself. You you have to you have to take a few knocks with it, and it was just part part of it. Like, but. It was interesting, you know, it, it opened my eyes, it gave me a bit of confidence because I've, you know, I've grown too in terms of, you know, I've always been opinionated. So, you know, I, I felt myself at the time, people might disagree with it too, that I was making a difference. I was uh, helping out and it, it was a good feeling. Like yeah. I liked that. I liked that. That fact that, uh, you know, when I retired, somebody from the loveliest, loveliest letter to like, just to balance it out with the thing that said I was going to hell the this fella from Waterford I think it is and he I don't even remember the name but he says, listen, all the best, quick letter, all the best in your retirement. I just wanted to say my son who's gay really took a lot from you you, you know giving your message and, you know, your particular message was I think there's one of the flyers are going around that says that if I'm if I'm lucky enough to have a a daughter or son, and they turn out to be gay, and I'd like them to be mm. able to marry. And you know, he said that resonated with him. And I was ten foot tall when I read that letter. And, I uh, imagine so. I think at that then inspired coming off that, it's inspired me to be, uh, you know, to try and get more involved and stuff, and to try and because you know we're we're here to make a difference. You know, we're we're here. You talk about the All Black f- philosophy to take it back to sporting. We're here to be a good ancestor, so the society that I leave Daisy and my daughter, I wanted to be better than the one that I came into, so that's that's the overall goal. Sometimes, you know, I go through phases where I couldn't be bothered with it, like. But you're allowed to do that, like, and you know, just on that whole marriage referendum and thing. I think for the first day, it was funny. Whose Joanne works as a beautician and she was uh, up when she was working away and you know, there's a bit of work being done out the out the back and one of the lads was in getting a cup of tea and he goes Jesus M He's gay. I never I never thought that. <laughs> and there was a just a that bit of confusion yeah. that uh you know, I'd, I'd come out, like, and Joanne was there, like, no, as far as I know, that he's, she's not, not gay. She's in an informed
0: position. Yeah, I'm in an informed position It's here. funny
1: you say that, actually,
0: because I got that as well. Um, As my, like, I actually, like, I, I was just out one night, and, yeah. um, so, so, I didn't even know him come to me and said, oh, I didn't know you were gay, like, and I was like, well, like, well, I'm not. I was like, well, why would you be voting yeah, like, and I was like, is, uh, it, is this I, conversation I, actually happening, I like, know, and then, then have know, a few points in as well, and you have to just take a deep breath and walk away, but. Um, I obviously the, my answer was the exact same as yours around having, having a son or a daughter who, who may if who may be gay and if they wanted to get married,
1: well will sure they should be able to. Ah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I just thought it's just one less. Uh, well, yeah, which is funny to, to, you know? hear, to hear
0: that story as well. Um, but look, that's sort of because the reason I brought that whole strand up around that sort of sports and politics and and societal issues is that like I feel as as sports people, it's not as if I feel as if sports people should be dictating policy and deciding no, what policy no, no. is. But that doesn't mean that you can't voice an opinion if for something that you believe in or you want to play, or as you said, have a positive impact on on that young guy's life that you mentioned in Waterford there. Before before I move on for that one, if in a in a hypothetical world I, I threw Aaron McGee and tomorrow was Taoiseach, is there a particular issue that you'd like that you feel as a country or society we need to address? Is there something that you're
1: passionate about now? Something I'm passionate about now is probably just going back to that whole, you know, Critical thinking, evidence based, you know, move moving forward as a society. I think that should be brought into, you know, every aspect of society and how we how we go forward. Um, you know, obviously I'd love Ireland to become a world leader in science. Mm-hmm. That's if I was teaching now, that's one of the first things I'd actually do. Is, you know, try and get all the best and become this centre centre center learning and you know, we're never going to be able to. We're just too small a country to be able to. Best thing we can do basically is export knowledge, and you know we can import some of the best best researchers or scientists, and if that's the you know the way forward. I would go. This is the way I would market Ireland. Like, but <laughs> thankfully, people are saying that name hey, McGee's not Tisha, um, <laughs> because there would be another lot a lot of a lot of, fe- a lot of things I would change too. Like. Sticking um, sticking stick with science there for a moment because I know you're
0: studying science at the minute, um. And is that a is that a general science degree? Yeah, it's a
1: start general <clears> first two years general, and then you know you narrow it down. Okay. And hope to, you know, struggle a wee bit at maths, but I'm hoping to go into physics. So we'll see how I get on this year, and uh, you know narrow it down into the physics the physics side of it now. But it's something I enjoy. You know when you. I'm doing it part-time and, you know, I have work, I have, you know, a child, I have still do a wee bit with the club and, you know, I have other stuff too. So it's tough to get the balance. But I feel that if you, if you love something, I love science. I love talking about it. I love, you know, reading up on it. Um, So it's easier for me to come home from a hard day's work and get stuck into, you know, chatting about you know nuclear fusion nuclear fission or something like that there you know it's might not be much fun when you go on to equations or algebra and anything out like there but you know it's I'm um, definitely enjoying it
0: you say like you said uh, say it straight out there I love science I was just when I was thinking as we're saying that did you would you have lost or mis- misplaced that love for a while while you are in the football bubble
1: does that take over those other, other strands in life ah yeah definitely it's just Time. Time's precious when you're involved with the an inter County squad and you know you're putting it into a level that that we were putting it into. And you know, you have part, you have partner, girlfriend, you have different stuff you have to you have to get a bit of aiming time in too. Mm-hmm. So might not have I wouldn't say neglected it. But I didn't grow either. Like I just mm-hmm. maintained it and okay. now that I want to, I want to I wanna grow it and, you know, expand my knowledge and, you know, I want to become the go-to guy if you have a science question. <laughs> yeah, I'll put you on my friend list if everyone who wants to be a millionaire. No, don't be, uh, <laughs> any, any maths questions, uh, don't rely on me. But yet.
0: keep sticking on that note. Um, and obviously we, we started off by myself asking you around how life now is and, and what you're doing. So in terms of just looking towards the future, because we spent we spent a lot of different we've talked about lots of different things so far. Yeah. In terms of looking for the future, um, where do you see where do you see Amy McGee going? What's the what's what's the vision you have her in mind at the moment? What's
1: that look like? You know, obviously I want to be a good father to Daisy. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the main one. You know, and, and Daisy's up, what age now? She's nine months. Okay. She's coming on ten months. That's the the main one. There's yeah. a, it's a whole different ballgame when you become a father and uh, priorities change. Uh, you know, definitely I'll be involved in GA. I think for, a, I have the bugger and stuff that love for Jay that I'll be involved in it my whole life. Where do you see that going? Um, You know, I want to give the club a good shot. Yeah. Obviously, not, as I said earlier, not to the same intensity mm-hmm. and the same pressure as Intercounty thing. But have a positive impact. But have a, you know, try and bring stuff that I've learned through the journey to the club and, you know, unique aspect where I was that I also I know how not to do things, but I also know how to do things right because of the the way Donegal's journey's been. Um and I involve, I love co- coaching. I love yeah, uh, you know, trying to pass on a message or trying to you know, we if I was to come up against Jim McGuinness like I'd love that to be able to try to work out the system and uh I think that there's room there for far better you know we we don't need to as you talked earlier we don't need to see this endless rep, replicated mm-hmm. stuff we can we can go out and we can work on ourselves be confident as coaches and you know I, I feel that I, I want to do that and not now because I want to play but there will be stages where I want to see myself as a coach now and if it's minor club minor or you know senior in the county it's it is we'll see where the journey takes us now
0: I'm going to finish up with a probably an important question that lots of people that were that will want to know when they listen to this interview and I think it was mentioned once or twice in, in Jim McGuinness's book as well but uh which of the McGee
1: brothers was the hardest it all depends now <laughs> what kind of situation <laughs> that was a common enough thread once the crack got up on the bus you know there was a, there was a few pints taken and uh I don't know who I should the first challenge now, but obviously the boys knew that they were leaning what to uh, kind of tran enough box, and they started saying who is the who is the strongest McGee, and of course we took the bait straight away, like two <laughs> like two <the weejits. laughs> and I think it got to a stage where we were so- shouldering each other saying Staff the bus, staff the bus. <laughs> I was was joking
0: with that question but just it's the last question I was going to ask you is around um, considering all the things we've talked through and different life experiences and journeys that you've been on if you could pass on one key life lesson to if it was a group of students in school if you're asked to do that or if it was a yeah let's keep it a a young group of students if you could pass on one life lesson you would like to share one thing that
1: you've
0: that you've learned what would it be out of interest?
1: Um, I think the most important, because it's actually funny, we were talking about it, this very thing yesterday, I would say that, you know, just love every day, you know, we, we tend to get stuck in the future and then, or we're worried about the past, mm-hmm. like we forget that we're, we're living the day and if I was to give, this one thing I found about this, time is so precious, like we're talking about, you know, retirement and this and that and, you know, today is the day and you just love, loving the day and, uh You know, obviously you have to make, you have to learn from your past and you have to make uh, plans for your future, you know, but, you know, it's how you get through the day and don't spend it either in the past or the future. Like, so,
0: if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely, completely does. Um, And just finishing up, I just want to thank you for your honesty, your insight, for sharing some of those lessons, good times and bad times that you've gone through. I think people relate to a huge amount of that. I think there's just so much in there. And I've been really, I've really enjoyed having this conversation and I want to thank you for being for being part of the series because I said you've you've one 100% added so much. And just to wish you, obviously, the best luck in your life ahead, the transition you're going through at the moment, with fatherhood, with career, with lifestyle, with all the things that are going on that that come at this point in life and just to wish you the best of luck with it. And I think as you've talked through there, the, the nuggets of wisdom that you have, I think you're on the right track and I wish you the best luck and I look forward to seeing what you do in the future. So thanks a million and we'll talk to you She's
1: again. Cheers, Al. good to listened to it and is proud to be part of the podcast and all the best for yourself too
0: Gent, thank you very much Well, so what an episode that was and once again from the bottom of my heart I'd just like to thank Eamon McGee for his incredible honesty throughout our conversation if you enjoyed that chat as much as I did please do subscribe to our show on iTunes SoundCloud or Stitcher you can find us there simply by searching for Real Talks or just go to www.realtalks.e www.realtalks.e Before I go, I just want to thank our sponsors, Kelly Bradshaw Dalton, for believing in this podcast and in the importance of showing that GA players are far more than just footballers or hurlers. Check out kbd.ie for all your property needs. My name is Alan O'Mara, and you've been listening to Episode 6 of the Real Talks Podcast.